Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at nascarfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Hope you guys had yourselves a great weekend as we just had the Michigan races as well as the Worldwide Technology Race for the Truck Series, which was the first playoff race for that series. There's a lot to talk about this weekend, but you know what? Overall, it was a really good weekend if you were a race fan. You got to see a little bit of everything. Michigan put on a really good race, which is actually quite surprising because whenever you think about Michigan or Pocono or races like that, you kind of think of them as kind of like, oh man, it's going to be a bit of a snoozer. Yeah, we're going to see fast cars, but not a whole lot of passing. That didn't happen this weekend. In fact, we had some really good racing come out of both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series when it came to Michigan. I was very impressed by that. Very excited to see some good action-packed racing. Exactly what this sport needed, especially after the whole incident that happened last week with the Indianapolis Road Course. They needed something to go in the right direction, and now they finally got it, especially at a track where we didn't think we were going to get the most exciting race there was and we got a really good one I'd say this would go into the top end of good races in the season so we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about maybe a little bit of news here and there first things first though let's talk about the truck series race let's talk about the first playoff race for the 2021 season for that series let's get to it we're going down to worldwide technology raceway here at Madison Illinois it is time for the Toyota 200 presented by CK Power Alright, so let's touch on some quick notes here. This was the 16th race of the 2021 season for the Camping World Truck Series. We had 42 cars run for this race, but four of them missed it. And it's not because we only had a 38-car field. We had potentially 40 cars on the track, but Norm Benning and I do believe it was the number 20 of Spencer Davis. Both of them withdrew from the race due to some illegal modifications to the hood is what I heard from Norm Benning. Uh, kind of a, they run different hoods at certain racetracks, so bit of a bummer there to see him not be able to make the race. Uh, had to withdraw from it, but we still had 38 trucks, 8 cautions for 37 laps. We even had a red flag. We'll talk about that one in a second, don't you worry. 5 lead changes amongst 3 different drivers. In the end, though, it was the most dominant guy of Friday night, and that was the number two of Sheldon Creed, getting the first win here in the playoffs, locking himself into the next round. That number two truck is the winner of the first race of the Truck Series playoffs. Finishing second, we have the number 88 of Matt Crafton. Finishing third, we have the number 99 of Ben Rhodes. In fourth place was the number 52 of Stuart Friesen. In fifth place, we have the number 13 of Johnny Sauter. Finishing sixth is the number 23 of Chase Purdy. Finishing seventh, we have the number one of Haley Deegan. Good run for her. Finishing eighth is the number 42 of Carson Hosevar, which is a really good finish when you think of everything he went through in that race. Finishing ninth, we have the number 22 of Austin Wayne Self. And rounding out the top 10, we have the number 24 of Jack Wood. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10 that we should mention real quick. Finishing 20th in the number 19 machine was Derek Cross. Finishing 22nd, we have the number 4 of John Hunter Nemechek getting some damage and also some problems with his truck. Finishing 23rd, we have the number 16 of Austin Hill. Todd Gillen in the number 38 machine, he finishes 29th, with Chandler Smith just barely edging him out in the number 18 machine, finishing 28, multiple, multiple laps down. And the rest of these trucks here are going to be ones involved in accidents or out due to engine problems. We're going to start from 30th on back. 
The number 41 of Dawson Cram, the number 98 of Kristen Eckes, the number 26 of Tyler Ankrum, the number 66 of Ty Majeski, the number 45 of Jake Smith, the number 21 of Zane Smith, all out due to an accident on lap 112, except for the 21 with mechanical problems. And then before that, you got David Bone, Jordan Anderson, and Jennifer Joe Cobb, all out due to engine problems before lap number 100. And that is your final results here for the Toyota 200 by CK Powers for the Truck Series. So first things first, big congrats to Sheldon Creed. Sheldon Creed really turned it up at a time when he absolutely needed to. It's the first race of the playoffs. You definitely want to show that you're a championship contender. And hey, he's doing exactly that. Last year, they were doing really good during the playoffs, hence why they won the championship. Just turned everything to a next level. And you got to do that if you're running for the championship. And Sheldon Creed is once again proving that he is going to be a huge contender. If he has a race similar to this down in Phoenix and he can get another victory in the second round it's going to be tough to hold back that number two truck from getting back-to-back championships. John Hunter Nemechek, he did fairly all right in this race. Nothing too spectacular. I mean, he ran into some problems that caused a big accident in the final stage, and ever since then, he was not able to build up. But the biggest thing that a lot of people are talking about is the incident that happened right around lap 60 after the end of stage number one, and that is the power going out at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Kind of an irony, too. You know, um, they are called technology. They got technology in in the name of their track and they have electrical issues not a good marketing style for them but the reason why this happened was due to the fact that a truck ran to a power pole and I guess caused a 40-man red flag and a lot of power sit problems for the uh, Fox booth I mean they even couldn't show the um, running grid for most of that race which I thought was pretty damn interesting but yeah power outage at the track I I can't remember the last time that has happened. I remember Daytona had that problem. I think even Phoenix had that problem, but that was about 10 or plus years ago. You don't really expect that, especially for a playoff race. So, doesn't look really good for this track. However, the racing was still a lot of fun. I mean, you did have Sheldon Creed dominate most of the race. And the playoff drivers, a lot of them did not get away with any problems. Like, there was a very few amount that went with a fairly clean race. And it was the drivers who finished in the top four. Everyone else in the playoffs really struggled due to damages or problems with their car. Carson Hosevar was one of those drivers that I thought was going to finish back in like 20th position, just absolutely struggling. He was able to recover for an 8th place finish. Just shows you how good that driver is in that number 42 truck. But Chandler Smith ran into some early problems and then he got involved in that big old accident that we keep talking about on 112, which happened due to a restart problem with John Hunter Nemechek and then everyone behind him just bottlenecked and they just took each other out. You had some good drivers who weren't running for the playoffs like Ty Majeski get into it. That number 66 truck was doing a really good job before that happened. Bit of a bummer for them as they will finish 33rd. But uh, Todd Gillen got affected in that one. Like I said, Chandler Smith. Austin Hill got a bit of damage and it really kind of shaped up on how close this cutoff line and how important it's going to be to score every single point possible. Because here in the first race, you just got accidents from everybody. Everybody ran into an incident in this race, it felt like. And now you go into Darlington and then Bristol, and you're thinking to yourself, man, what do I got to do to just to stay slightly ahead of this points cutoff? I mean, this first race should have been clean for us. We should have had no problems. And then, bam, we are going to finish in sub-20th or worst position. Even John Hunter Nemechek ran into some problems in this race. And John Hunter Nemechek, his worst finish was a 39th in the Bristol Dirt Race. So that one kind of sticks out. But other than that, he has finished 13th or better in every single race. He finishes this one 22nd, 
22nd. That is crazy for that number four truck. So definitely things tune into a different level when it comes here to the playoffs. Anything can happen, and this race really did prove it. I mean, congratulations to some drivers who we usually don't see finish in the top 10 of this race. I mean, Austin Wayne Self in that 22 truck did really good. Uh, Haley Deegan, um, first top 10 for a female driver outside of a restrictor plate race here in the truck series. It goes to that number one team, and Haley Deegan absolutely needed that. She's been having a bit of a rough season. Not a horrific season, but one that's a little bit lackluster. So for her to get a top 10 in this race was really really well needed. And also credit to the number 56 truck of Tyler Hill getting an 11th place finish. I mean, some really good runs for some teams that you usually don't see here around the top 10. So great job for them. They mostly kept their nose clean in this race. And Worldwide Technology, a very, very fun track. Provides some great racing here for not only the truck series, but we've also seen it with the Indy cars and even in the Xfinity series. Little bit of rumors going on for this track. Will it be in the Cup series here in the next season? I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, of course, there hasn't been any announcements on which tracks are going to be there for next year, except I think the Bristol Dirt Race and Coda have been already confirmed for next year or something like that. But I would be super excited to see Worldwide Technology on the schedule because it is a short track, but it's almost shaped like a homestead kind of feel. And you know what? When you get these unique tracks like that, it will bring in fans. It will bring all sorts of different types of racing. That's something we've seen kind of this year. We've seen all different types of racetracks be included onto the schedule. And those tracks have been exciting in their own ways. But it's also brought some excitement to tracks that are already on the schedule, which we'll talk about Michigan here in a second. But Worldwide Technology, I think, would be a great add-on for the fans, for the drivers, and for NASCAR itself. So far in this truck race, it was chaotic, to say the least, absolutely chaotic, but a really good one that you should go watch, and I mean, some of the drivers are already starting to show which ones are going to be the most dominant ones, and Sheldon Creed, Matt Craft, and Ben Rhodes, and if John Hunter Nemechek gets his shit together here in the next two races, I think those are going to be the best four drivers going into Phoenix for the 2021 championship. Now let's move on to the Xfinity race that happened on Saturday. It is now time for the New Holland 250 to 23rd race of the Xfinity season. Alrighty, so a little bit of craziness happened in this race as well, but let's go over some few statistics here. We had a full full 40-car roster here on this one. We only had one driver miss the race, and that was the number 13 of Timmy Hill. Nine cautions for 43 laps and 13 lead changes among six different drivers. A lot of crazy action happened here in this race. In the end, though, it is the guy who won the Indianapolis Road Course for the Cup Series. Now, six days later, he gets another victory, this time in the Xfinity Series at Michigan. The number 16 of A.J. Allmendinger, who led 70 laps in this race was the clear-cut dominant driver and he is the winner here of the 23rd race of the 2021 season. Finishing second, we have the number 19 of Brandon Jones. Finishing third, we have the number 9 of Noah Gregson. Finishing fourth, we have the number 1 of Josh Berry. Finishing fifth, we have the number 20 of Harrison Burton. Finishing sixth is the number 7 of uh, Justin Allgaier. Finishing seventh, we have the number 98 of Riley Herbst. Finishing eighth, we have the 0-2 of Brett Moffitt. Finishing ninth, a very good run for the number 48 of Jade Beford. And round out the top 10, we have the number 61 
of Bubba Wallace. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10 that we should mention here real quickly. Finishing 11th, we had the number 51 of Jeremy Clements. 13th, the number 54 of Ty Gibbs. We also had Tyler Reddick running in the number 23 car. He finishes 16th in this race. Finishing 29th with a little bit of rough results near the end was the number 10 of Jeb Burton, who led 23 laps in this race. And then these drivers from 33rd on back were all drivers who ran to incidents. We had the number 8 of Sam Mayer finishing 33rd. Finishing 36th, we had the number 2 of Mike Snyder. 37th and number 22 of Austin Sindrick, 39th and number 18 of Daniel Hemrick, and rounding out 40th in the number 68 machine, we have Brandon Brown out of the race due to an accident on lap number 35. And that's your final result here for the Xfinity race, New Holland's 250 at Michigan International Speedway. So, a very good result for the um, Colic Racing once again, and a great run for A.J. Allmendinger. I mean, he was the one to beat in this race, and if he wasn't up front at first, it was the number 10 of Jeb Burton. So all around, a really good run for Colic Racing, which they absolutely continue to show that, hey, not only are we going to kick ass here in the Xfinity Series, but move us up in the Cup Series, we'll be right there too. A great team that really came from nothing, and now look at them now. And how about A.J. Allmendinger? I mean, A.J. Allmendinger, I remember back in like, 2007, 2008, he was kind of a bust when it came to Red Bull Racing. Then he moved on over to um, Roger Penske. He kind of blew up that deal because um, he was caught with some illegal substance during the time. Then he got moved down to the number 47 team. Didn't really do too much there. Got a victory, but that was about it. And we thought that was the end of him. Then he comes back to Colleague Racing, and he's having one hell of a time, and he's starting to prove that he could be a valuable asset for a team. So big congrats to AJ Allmendinger. Really big improvement in the last 13 years. Some drivers who ran into some problems in this race, including Daniel Hemrick, who has probably the worst luck in the world when it comes to these incidents. I mean, in lap number 35, everyone gets involved in the accident, and a lot of cars are trying to beat the crash clock. And people like Austin Sendrick, who got a lot of damage in that race, dumps oil all around the racetrack before we go green, and he ends his race. He's like, well, that's it. We're done. This is a problem that we've started to see ever since they introduced the crash clock. You're not no longer seeing small teams make mistakes out on the track when they repair their cars and something falls off the race car and they're like, whoops, well, uh, get, get, get in the trailer. We're done for the day. This is now top teams now that struggle with this crash clock. And I understand why they did it. They were trying to avoid more cars coming out into the racetrack and causing more cautions than if they were to just stay off the racetrack. Now the problem is, we get these rush jobs, we saw it at the Daytona 500, we saw it down at the Indianapolis Road Course, now we see it here in this Michigan race, where Austin Sendrick tries to repair his car and dumps oil around the racetrack, and it cost uh, us multiple, multiple laps before we got the race started. I, I mean, remember last week with James Davidson, number 15, dumps oil around the entire racetrack, where we had that caution last for about 30 minutes, 35 minutes it felt like. I, I don't think this crash clock is doing doing exactly what we needed it to do, which was kind of stop uh, cautions from happening. It's kind of produced more problems than it has reduced or kept it about the same. So I really feel like they should do something about that because I always tend to enjoy, this is me personally, but I always tend to enjoy someone who may get into an accident but scored a few stage points and they're racing against the guy who's running 13th or 14th to score the most points. I've always really liked that, but with this crash clock, if they can't repair their car within five minutes, pfft, that's it. They're done. So 
I don't know. It's one of those things that NASCAR really has to consider and look at a little bit more um, thoroughly before they make a final decision. But that's just me when it comes to the crash clock. I really feel like it causes more problems than it helps. Uh, some noticeable drivers to give a quick shout out to in this race by far has to be Jade Beford as well as Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace was involved in that incident on lap number 32. His car was horribly damaged. I think it was a couple laps down. He comes back and finishes in the top 10 at one of the fastest racetracks on the schedule, which means any problems with your car is going to greatly affect how competitive you are on the track. And he was able to get a top 10 in this race. Well done for him. And Jade before a team who just started up this year uh, back in January. They didn't even know they were going to have a race team at the beginning of the year, like around January 1st. And now look at them finishing in the top 10 and just keeping their nose clean. And they're starting to prove that, hey, these small teams can still compete in these X-Fandy series. So great job by Jade Beford. Ty Gibbs finishing 13th, one of his worst finishes here in the X-Fandy series. And it wasn't that he struggled in this race. I mean, he finished second in both the stages. It was just there near the end, got a little bit too excited and wrecked his car in the final few laps. But he was still able to get a 13th place finish. Multiple restarts for the green right checkered. But you know how we how we are as NASCAR fans. We want the race to end on the green, so we were perfectly fine with that. Uh, as far as the track goes, man, with that, uh, what is it called? Resident? Or I, I can't remember. It's it's not the PJ1 traction compound. I know that for sure. It's a substance that they used to lay down on Dover as well as Nashville. It provided really good racing. Multiple grooves for these cars to run on, and it really never faded off or anything like that. It provided good racing, so I was really excited for that, especially for the x series because you know in the cup series it was going to put on a really good show but overall for this Xfinity series race again another good one I mean you had a dominant driver for most of the race you knew it was going to be AJ Allmendinger at the end and he was able to pull off the win overall the Xfinity series is starting to look really really good I mean it's always been fun to watch these races and a lot of crazy news stepping up here in the Xfinity series with Emmett Smith uh, joining Jesse Iwuji for uh, Xfinity Series startup, which will be really cool, and seeing Josh Berry to run full-time in that number eight machine. Some good stuff's coming out of here in the Xfinity Series, so if you don't have, if you haven't watched the race yet, make sure to tune in because they're putting on some good shows. Now let's move on to the big one, the second-to-last race of the regular season, the one that we were all anticipating to see who was going to wind up in victory lane. It is now time to look at the Fires Keeper Casino 400, the 25th race of the 2021 season. Alrighty, so in this race, we didn't have a full uh, roster for the Cup Series. Only 37 cars entered the race, so no one failed to qualify. Six cautions for about 29 laps, but 20 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. There was a lot of action going on throughout the entire track, especially up front. The winner of the race, and we all thought it was going to be a Chevrolet, turns out it was a Ford with a surprise victory, only leading eight laps in this race, was the number 12 of Ryan Blaney getting his second win of the season and also his sixth win of his career he is victorious here at the michigan fires keeper casino 400 finishing second we have the number 24 of william byron finishing third we have the number five of kyle larson finishing fourth we have the number one of kurt bush in fifth place we have the number 11 of denny hamlin in sixth we have the number 21 of matt Benedetto. finishing seventh we have the number 18 of kyle bush finishing eighth is the number nine of chase elliott finishing ninth we have the number two of brad keselowski and round out the top 10 in the number 
19 machine is Martin Truex Jr. Finishing 11th, we have the number 14 of Chase Briscoe, 12th, the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and 13th, we have the number 20 of Christopher Bell, and 14th, we have the number 4 of Kevin Harvick, 15th, we have the number 17 of Chris Buescher, and 16th, we have the number 48 of Alex Bowman, 17th, the number 10 of Eric Amarola, 18th, the number 43 of Eric Jones, finishing 19th, upside down, was the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Rounding out the top 20, we have the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20 that we should mention. Finishing 29th, we had the number 8 of Tyler Reddick. Running really good near the end, got a flat tire, spun out, never got the caution, so he finished multiple laps down. And then some other drivers who finished back here, we have the number 22 of Joey Logano get into an incident around lap number 187. And then we have Ross Chastain, Austin Dillon, and Joey Gase riding out in the 35th, 36th, and 37th position, all 50 plus laps down. And that is your final results here for the Fires Keeper Casino 400 at Michigan. So, big thing, congratulations to Ryan Blaney. Nobody expected him to win this race. Hell, I didn't even have him on our fantasy picks. I thought he could maybe finish like maybe 11th or 12th, but that was about it. And he comes and wins the damn thing. Didn't even score any stage points. Led eight laps. That's about it. But he was there when he was supposed to be. At the most important time, pick the right line to choose. I mean, that's why we have the choose rule, which has provided a lot of entertainment for us. And a guy in fourth place could wind up leading going into turns one and two. So... Congratulations to Ryan Blaney on that one. So damn close for William Byron in the 24. I was jumping up and down. I thought he was going to win that race, and they blew it at the end. Ah, well, it was still a really exciting race, and like I said, uh, I think I've already said it already before, we do not expect exciting, action-packed racing at these super speedways. Yes, we um, anticipate fast cars, but it seems like some of the most exciting races that came from the tracks where we least suspected. I mean, think about it. Pocono was a really good race. New Hampshire was a good race. And now Michigan. Uh, Who would have thunk it? I think one of the things we're starting to realize is the reason why these races are starting to get more exciting is simply because we're starting to have more diversity in the schedule. And what I mean by that is look at this year. We've had multiple road courses added onto the schedule, and it's kind of reduced a lot of other tracks' opportunities to run two races, Michigan being one of them. Michigan only has one race this season, and we used to be bombarded by a lot of these uh, super speedways. There used to be six of them on the schedule, all of them running two times. This year, that's that's hardly um, the case at all. I mean, California wasn't on the schedule at all due to the COVID pandemic, and Pocono hosts their races back-to-back, which I think was a great marketing idea for that racetrack. I mean, they've gotten the most ticket sales than ever before and it's it's really appealing to fans i mean two races back to back for the cup series hell yeah i'm gonna go watch that and now we get michigan here and they put on a great show it just comes to proves to show that hey there's some packages that can absolutely work for a race and also diversity in schedules can really bring excitement to tracks that we wouldn't have necessarily thought were exciting a few years back because we got so many of them. Now we get one a year with this um, two-mile racetrack, and it provides a great race. So I can't wait to see Michigan again next year. I think that's exactly what you need to do to keep some of these bigger tracks more appealing to the fans. And also another thing I need to touch on because I just mentioned it is the 550 horse package. I mean, that horsepower package has been one that has been very controversial to a lot of fans. Many people were just like, why do we want these cars slower? Da, da, da. They provide some crappy racing. I I think they did a great job here at Michigan. And really, I think the 550 horse package is better 
for these bigger racetracks because let's be honest here when the cars get too fast it gets way too dangerous I mean that incident with Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski could have been way worse I think if we had a higher horse package and I'm not saying it's just a safety thing I mean look how close these cars were nobody could really get away from each other and Kyle Busch and a lot of other drivers were complaining that all the cars were about the same but you know what it provides good entertainment if it's not every single race that's okay that's okay to have a race where all these cars are very close to each other. It provides great racing. You're going to tell me that you're not going to appreciate a race where you have first, second, and third almost covered under a blanket for the entire race of a two-mile track? That's hella awesome. And I bet you those fans were pumped. They were just like, yeah, Kyle Larson, William Byron, and Kyle Busch all together this close? Hell yeah! I would have been that way. I would have really enjoyed that. And we just got it all race weekend. And look at the... Look at the laps led. Out of the drivers in the top 10, 9 out of 10 of them led at least one lap. All of them had an opportunity to lead this race, and that's something that you really don't see too much here in the newer series or hell. Even back in the 90s, you would only see like five cars that would lead the race. How about 9 of the top 10 led at least one lap in this race? That's pretty damn impressive. Now let's talk to you about the more controversial things that we have to see in this race. First one being the upside down number 23. What I mean by that is that the stickers on the hood were going in the opposite way. Now, many people would not really pay too much attention to this, especially if it was like an ARCA race. But this is the Cup Series. And why 2311 decided to put it the wrong way and nobody noticed it? I don't know what to say about that. Bubba Wallace, uh, minus 10 points for fashion design because the stickers need to be a certain way. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Moving on. Uh, next thing I got to talk about is the Austin Dillon Brad Keselowski controversy at the end of stage number two. Who was at fault here? I do not know. I, it could really be 50-50 in all, in all honesty. Austin Dillon goes up too high. Brad Keselowski stays down low. The one I'm going to give more grief to is going to be the number two of Brad Keselowski. And here's the reason why. Brad Keselowski already has a victory this season at Talladega. So he's already locked himself in to the playoffs. As far as gaining more points, he's nowhere in a spot where he can get some regular season championship points. What I mean by that, finishing in the top three. He's way too behind there. And honestly, that spot wouldn't have affected him either or way. Austin Dillon, though, he needs every point he can get. So that's why he was being so competitive right there going down to the end. Why Brad Keselowski thought it was best to block him, that position being super important to him, I don't know. I, I really think we got to give Brad Keselowski a little bit of grief on that one. I'm not saying he did on purpose. It was clear as day that he did not do it on purpose. But you got to be smarter in those situations, especially when cars are going that fast. I mean, my goodness, if you've seen the slow motions of Austin Dillon, he hit that wall hard really hard and I really feel like Brad Keselowski should have gave him more room because that position was just no nothing important to him at all it was important to that number three because he was trying to get as many points as he could to keep up with Tyler Reddick now I think some people could take it as me being more of an RCR fan eh, that's not the case at all I'm not really a big RCR fan I'm just trying to look at this in a kind of a intelligent way and the intelligent way is Austin Dillon's trying to run for points and Brad Keselowski blocked him when he really shouldn't have and I think I give a little more grief to Brad Keselowski blocking too because remember how much he threw a fit at the Daytona 500 where it cost him a chance to win it 
and he kind of does the same thing here in Michigan. I don't, I don't know. I, I really think I got to lean more towards Brad Keselowski on the blame there. And then the last controversial thing I want to talk about was the rain call near the end of the race. Was it a good idea for them to throw a caution that early when there was a little bit of sprinkling going on? I am going to say right here, right up front, yes, absolutely. They need to throw the caution at that time. And here's the reason why. We have seen the last few races... Um, with with problems going on in the racetrack, whether it was debris flying or slight rain in the area, that NASCAR would stay back and keep it as green for as long as they could. We can't do that anymore. With all the controversy that has happened in the last few races, it's best to do what they've been doing. When they see that they need to throw a caution, they can't think twice about it. You have to throw the caution because if that rain hit any stronger and you would have saw the leaders hit into the wall everyone would have been so pissed off at that finish. Nobody would have liked that race, hence why you kind of had the feeling that the race at Indianapolis Road Course was kind of tarnished just because of that incident where they did not throw the caution. Now they'd called a little bit earlier, and I know it's NASCAR being a lot safer, but we we really need to go that route. You re- really need to. This goes all the way back to the Daytona Road Course where people were pissed off when they threw the caution and it cost Chase Elliott a potential win. We, we, you got to be safe. It, it, these drivers' safety is at the top of their priority, and we cannot have cars wrecking left and right because it's, it's an expensive sport, and you can't have too many cars wrecking because of NASCAR's negligence on not throwing out the caution. So that call, I think, was the right one. I know a lot of people would be are upset about it, but let me tell you, if they don't throw the caution, you have someone from the Rick Henrik camp or Joe Gibbs wrecked there near the end. Everyone would have been pissed off. The drivers would have been. The team owners would have been. Everyone would have been pissed off. I would rather take a chunk of people who think, oh, NASCAR's being too safe as mad than the whole entire roster being pissed off at you. So overall, this race weekend was a really good one. Very chaotic one, but it was really good. I think NASCAR's on the right direction here with these bigger racetracks and also what kind of compounds they want to put into the racetrack. I really think this would be a good approach if you're looking at another mile and a half track to do it. Try this instead of the PJ1. And honestly, as long as NASCAR is staying more uptight with their calls, I think it's honestly all right. And the racing was good. The The racing was really fun, and there's nothing I can really complain about it. Overall, a good old thumbs up for the NASCAR world. And that will conclude the final segment of today's episode, guys. One more race of the regular season. Who's going to make it into the playoffs in the Cup Series? I don't know. I I really think it could come down to a surprise winner at the end. I mean, Daytona is so unpredictable, especially when it comes to the summer race. I mean, we've seen surprise winners. I mean, William Byron got his first win there. You also had Justin Haley. Eric Jones has won there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You got David Reagan quite a few years ago getting the win. Anyone could come out victorious in this race. Is is it really down to Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon? Not really. I I really think someone could come out of nowhere and get a surprise win. Could be someone from, say, Bubba Wallace. Eric Jones could get a win. Ricky Stenhouse Jr 
Connor is still in it. Ross Chastain has been good, known to be a really good uh, restricted plate driver. Ryan Newman has had some good finishes before. There are so much um, possibilities that could happen. Let me know who you guys think is going to be filling up that final spot in the playoff roster because the top 15 is all set. It's just that last one. Who's going to make it in? Let me know. You can either message me on NASCARfieldfiller.com. I got a little bit of a comment section that you can go and talk to me personally or go to my Twitter account. My Twitter account is at TylerV33. You can also look me up at NASCAR Field Filler Podcast or Vanilla Wafers. I will pop up either way. So let's let's communicate. Let's see who we think is going to be the best options to go for here. And I swear to God, if you all come back to me and say, oh, I think uh, Anthony Alfredo would be a high-quality driver to make it into the playoffs, I swear I will turn this podcast back into a gag kind of thing that it was at the beginning when I first started. There's nothing but pure shenanigans and nothing making sense at all. I I will do it. I will do it. (laughs) But make sure to tune in on Friday. We should have ourselves a good action-packed fantasy draft picks. It's going to be very interesting at Daytona, to say the least. I'm super excited, and hopefully you guys are excited as well. But above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.